Welcome back to the Graham McGuffin Podcast. There are only 12 days left until Christmas, and that means more terrible Christmas music and sappy holiday movies than any person should have to endure. In an effort to combat this festive good cheer, for the next 12 days, we'll be giving you some alternates to the traditional 12 days of Christmas. We were on the verge of greatness. We were this close to providing peace and security for the galaxy. You're confusing peace with terror. Well... I have to start somewhere. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is day one of the 12 days of Christmas, and what better way to celebrate Christmas than the ultimate Christmas present? Baby Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Is it not Baby Jesus? It's not the baby? I like to picture Baby Jesus in a little tuxedo. (laughs) To Baby Jesus. Darth Vader greeted us for our Christmas. Uh, with Star Where Wars, is the baby Jesus, <laughs> Rogue One, a Star Wars story. <laughs> you know, I did have that thought uh, about Christmas while watching Rogue One because th- there's that one scene where you have the the what is the, it the, the, the YMCA the flight the, the, the flight the, the flight director <laughs> yeah, and right. he has red and green right. and I'm like that's on purpose <laughs> because Christmas. <laughs> Oh, is Naturally. that what is that what she was? She, she was, was Christmas. Yeah. I was wondering what those things sticking out like of her a, back was. Yeah, the, she was, was a landing flight. attendant. Oh, is that what that was? I thought yeah. she was a samurai. <laughs> I thought she was like she, ninja. Well, she was dead. You know what's funny about that is that <laughs> that that moment in the movie made me think like, oh, this is totally like Spaceballs right now because <laughs> when they walk up, I'm like, oh my god. It's exactly the right amount of characters <laughs> that they're going to take those uniforms because there's one person that's really short. That, oh, my God. It's going to go to Jin. Like, that's going to go to so Cassian. The one thing – it's funny that you had that moment. I had the moment when someone was walking um, – they were above a bunch of crew members. They're all Imperials. And I don't remember who it was. It might have been Tarkin. But as he was walking down, you see everybody working on the comms computers below him. And I kept thinking, assholes! I'm surrounded by assholes! <laughs> oh, Actually, you just mentioned Tarkin. So can we take a minute to talk about CG Tarkin? Can Can we talk? take a minute to we talk just, about Rogue it. One? Just, just mentioned CG Tarkin. <laughs> that's it. We that's talked it. about it. <laughs> All you no, had to say is CG Tarkin. I want to talk about okay? No, I disagree. I, I was glad. You're right. It looked exactly like, <laughs> well, like, no, like, like so, an aging Jeremy P- Peter Cushion. So Morgan and I were going, we went back and watched like clips from New Empire. Hope. Or, oh, New Hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, is like in the, in the final battle at Yavin, there's all these like cutaways to Tarkin and he's standing there and he has little facial tics. He's like, got like a little twitch on his cheek he's got his eye moves a little bit he makes eye like makes facial expressions as a human would yeah but you don't get any of that from cg tarkin he's just standing there and he's just a robot okay and and i understand your your uh your problems with the entirely cg created version of a long dead actor but what i'm saying is that this is the best i've ever seen this technology i don't disagree and i want to completely disagree i think that there's better i mean like i think it can be better yeah I i've mean, never seen it and better. here here's the thing is that sure they should continue to try to develop it and practice it and keep going but do i want it in the final film i still wish that they kind of eased off on it a little bit no but i was so happy i was I so happy to have tarkin in as much of the movie as i would have been just as happy if we 
saw all of his dialogue seen through like that kind of reflection, reflection. off of the side of the window as he, you know, so been, he never like here's, turns here's to thing. look at. I still don't understand why we can't just recast these characters. That there's because they we, have recast the characters, right? Other characters. Well, no, no, for his character specifically, some other dude played him in episode three. They had prosthetics on him. It looked close enough to Peter Cushing's facial structure. Why couldn't they have just done that again and enhanced that with CG rather than making a full fucking CG face? Yeah. I mean, that's... Like, there's... there's... The thing is, it does date your movie because no matter what, you know, 10 years from now, we're going to look back at that and it's going to look bad. It's going to look like Polar Express. (laughs) Polar Express looked bad when Polar Express came out. For me, it reminded me of it's going to look more like Tron. It's going to look like the Final Fantasy movie. It's it's going to look like like Jeff Bridges. Yeah. Where, like, when I watched that in theaters, I was like, you know what? That looks really good. And then now, years later, I'm like, oh, that looks really bad. Well, okay. So we're, we're talking about something very particular within yeah. Rogue One. Let's talk about Rogue One Let's as a Let's talk about the good stuff. It's not, it's not, first of all, it's not part of the uh, the Skywalker saga. It is and it isn't. It loosely touches on it because the, the whole movie is the rebel group that would obtain the Death Star plans to get to the Rebel Alliance so they could ultimately blow up Death Star 1. Before Death Star two, before Star Star Killer Base, top top three Death Stars of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to go two three one. What two three one? There's yeah. only what's Death Star Star Killer Base. Star Killer Base is no, that's Death Star three. That's Death Star three. Okay, so Death Star two, Death Star two, then Death Star three, which is Star Killer Base, and then Death Star one. Weird. You go Death Star 1 first? I just go in order. <laughs> <laughs> no, Death Star 2 was way cooler than Death Star 1. <laughs> because like it was, it was, Star, it was built still... to look like it was under construction. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and it that was is, no, it was so part of the fully plan. operational. It was, right. yeah. it was, it was, uh, it was hiding in plain sight. And yeah, that's... Which is badass. So, so I don't like the third one at all. But it's Star an Killer entire base? planet. Yeah. An I don't like Starkiller Base mainly because... You could take, you can re-edit that movie to eliminate all those scenes, <laughs> and you have the same movie. So, yeah, yep. the only thing you wouldn't have is the final conflict. Well, that could have taken that could have taken place on a spaceship. On Speaking of taking place on a spaceship, Darth Vader does not need a castle. <laughs> he lives in Baradur. It's he, 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 why, he, why did he and and Sauron have a little buddy comedy going on? It's like the odd couple. No, this just proves that Lord of the Rings takes place in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> <laughs> middle planet, the, Middle, middle the Earth. Few IPs Disney has not. Can I mention yet. one of the awkward scenes with Vader? In that, how does he not just like have an open like teleconference line? So like instead, people have to interrupt him when he's in his white goo. Yeah, right, <laughs> like, right. like and he's in his back. Lord Vader. It's like, and then he presses his butt cheeks against the glass, <laughs> and, the, and the crimson guards both turn away from the glass at the same time. Actually, that brings up something I wanted to talk about. Why are the crimson guards there? Because Palpatine... Vader wants him to to watch, so he doesn't slip out. No, and, it's and because fall on his... it's because Palpatine <laughs> wants them to watch naked Vader. <laughs> Palpatine because they're wants Palpatine's a full report on his guns. Yeah. yeah. He sure. wants to know what Vader does during his day and his time off. They're there to keep an eye on Vader to make sure he's not training apprentices. Right. Because if he is, the Emperor's going to know and then he'll make them fight. And then he'll get a new groove. <laughs> they're the ones that make sure that he gets just the right amount of goo. <laughs> it's just a big, like, a big... furnace pump. Hey, that, no, that's they... actually what those sticks are that they have. Hey, it just injects hey, goo into the Hey, tube. your big crayon. I need some more <laughs> effervescent bath salts. Okay, so we still have not talked about what Rogue One is. You guys keep going for particular plot points. This movie, uh, 
I think was more about uh, the Rebel Alliance and seeing how they were structured and the feeling that they were structured more on a whim as a Imperial stopping force. Yeah, they, the Rebel Alliance, it wasn't even really like a rebellion at this point. It kind of felt like uh, it was a tool, it was a tool of, of anti-Imperial Senate members, essentially. Well, yeah, like they even say that it's an alliance at this point. It's not like a fighting force. It's not right. like an organized They're not equipped military for that. structure. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. you know, we got this person's go, uh, uh, fighter pilots. We got these guys' ships. We got these guys' troops. They're not – it's not, you know, the rebellion. It's a whole bunch of loosely based people that don't like the Empire. And we even go so far as to find out that some people have been kicked out of this alliance right. for being too, too extreme. Too extreme. Yeah. Oh, and then – No, no, I – I, I was very surprised by the way that they kind of set that up. Like, well, like, like on that extremist note, like seeing the way that the extremist branch led works. by Saul, yeah, Saul. like uh-huh. that <laughs> that looked like a documentary out of some modern day Middle yeah. East conflict. Yeah. Like it looked like that docu- super intense. Like, well, and so here here's the thing. So the movie breaks down into I'd say about four sections. There's Jin as a child. Uh, Jin going to see Saw, uh, the possible execution of her father, and then leading up to the stealing of the actual Death Star plans. With with all of these combined, the movie feels like it could have just been vignettes, almost. Like, we could have taken any part of those stories, and it could have been its own film. But sure. That's I, one of the charms of it, though, also. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. But the one thing in doing that, though, is you compartmentalize so much so quickly that you don't feel like you necessarily get to know anybody. And then we, we had talked about this previously where it was it became less about main characters and the main character became the mission. And it's yeah. that was done backwards because if you would have set up you know, a movie like this with more camaraderie and more something that resembled like Band of Brothers, then you would have had it be based about the the team. And because you cared about the team, you'd care about the mission. Yeah, so but I think, I think what they ended up doing, sorry to interrupt you, Steve, uh, is that they figured that the mission is the only thing that fans of Star Wars cared about. It's like, oh, they're going to remember the mission, the mission, the mission. These are people that we've just invented. Right. We can't assume that they're going to fall in love with them. We have to anchor nostalgia on the thing that we know that they love, right. which is the Death Star plan. So let's that just is go the, with that. And that's the one sentence out of the scrolling text in The New Hope that yeah. we are basically watching. Yeah. Right. yeah. So the thing is, too, with this movie is it felt more like an RPG adventure game, like yeah. a Bioware type right. game than it did. Like if you Star played Wars the movie. old Republic, you yeah, played this game. You played this or game movie because yeah. the way it works is like you get your main guy and then they get their group of fr- like loosely based friends and then they become friends on this journey and then they go through whatever. But the way that it's all character developed, it's like, oh, like they have to make a decision whether or not to piss this one guy off to make this guy happy kind of situations yeah. come up. And right. that's why I really felt like, oh, I'm playing like Mass Video Effect. Games. I'm playing why couldn't, I, Republic. why couldn't I play as Dash Rendar? There's, there's, there's also, there's a lot of like objective-based tasks throughout the movie. Like, oh, we got to do this to make this happen. Oh, we have to flip that switch to do this. And it's like, that's cool. Give us, give us a little more to go on though. Like, don't, don't. Well, I think the, the it's idea kind of is leading like, on, you know, it feels like they're setting up expanded material. Like right. there's going to be comics about these characters. Oh, yeah. Like I want to know more about all of these characters right. and we're not going to get that through a movie. Yeah. Right. I know. I definitely wanted to read that. Was it catalyst? Is that catalyst? Yeah, yeah. That's the uh, Jin Urso story leading up to Rogue One. It definitely got me interested in maybe picking that up. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely unconventional because just based off of the, you know, photos and the, 
the few previews that I watched, I was kind of expecting something more along the lines of the Band of Brothers yeah. or even like Seven Samurai, right. where yeah. it's like these people are already together and they're hired by the rebellion to, exactly. to do yeah. this thing. And I was expecting but, I was expecting the the old go to Let's get the team together montage. Well, yeah, sure. instead we got well, and instead we got something different, which see, I was relieved by. Here's personally. here's the thing, and the reason they couldn't give us that is because that's what Rebels is, the TV show. Oh. It was a the only three of them were together, and by the end of it you have a full ragtag team that are family, essentially. See, like that's the, that's the kind of problem I'm having with the Star Wars universe right now. It's like, becoming I'm more a like huge, the Marvel universe. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I shouldn't be expected to have to watch children's material to understand something that's happening in a totally different medium. Yeah, like that's uh, what's frustrating. It's, it's on the it's on Disney it's, Channel. I, I know have, it's it, you call it like, children's I material, but what, I haven't seen but all it's, of it. It's on a children's network. Sure, like, yeah, that's yeah, the sure. problem. It's I'm being having sold as children's yeah. material, okay, whether it is or but, not. But well, here we go. The the counterpoint to that though is you have guys like Simon Kimberg who are writing most of the X Men franchise live action. That's also writing and show running this show. So there are as much as it is on the Disney Network, there's still a lot of adult tones that carry. But it's over the expectation that. that you have to consume <clears throat> all sure. of this media because like there's times in the movie and like I was sitting there and I'm like I said like I'm a huge Star Wars fan and there was just like characters mugging the camera mm-hmm. and I was just like, well, am I supposed to know who that is? Right. And they have right. no relevance to the scene. They're just in the middle of the, sh- of the scene, like in focus. They don't have any lines. They're right. just there. And it's clearly you're supposed to be it's like, fanfare. who's that guy? It's a movie full of Boba Fett moments. Yeah. <laughs> where every character is like, oh, who's that character? Boba Fett. I want to know more about that guy. Yeah. And then like one character in particular going back to, you know, Saw's uh, band of terrorists. Yeah. You know, when they ambush uh, Chirrut, Baze, Jin, and, and, you know, K2SO, like all... And uh, Cassian, like in that one uh, yeah. courtyard, like they come out of nowhere after they defeat all these all these uh, troopers, troopers yeah. and uh, like you know they're all dressed like standard terrorists. They got the like as we recognize them in our world, they've got like the the scarves and the right. and the cloaks. And then you see this big sloth, fuzzy white sloth creature, and I'm like, oh, what a cute, what a cute terrorist! <laughs> and like the little, there's like a little dwarf guy too. Yeah. And like, well, I I'm saw like, it. I was like, is that a wampa? Like, what? what is going on? What here? a great character design, and and yet you don't see him at all. But then outside I was, of that, I was I'm like, like what is he gr- relevant to some some other media I haven't consumed yet? Or like, oh, like where was he in the fight scenes? Like, yeah, like he's probably their like tank. Yeah, he's their their tank it, character. Yeah, right. But also, why is this a problem? Why is why can't no, it just no, be I'm not saying, I'm not cool saying it's a problem. Have an expanded, you know, thing. Oh, obviously it's, they it's not. It's, like, an it's like the blue though. milk shot. Yeah, it was gratuitous. Like you can like in Star Wars, there's a ton of characters that don't have names, don't have lines, and they get a toy, right? Yeah, right. But this, it was like pushed a little too far in that direction, where it's like, oh, here this here's this thing in the middle of the shot. It's like usually these things are just background set pieces that are cool to explore. But now it feels like, no, you need to know what this is. See, those exact reasons, though, are why I loved the movie. Yeah, the fan service. I I pre-ordered the art book. Um, I'm sure I'm going to love just looking through that thing and looking at all the character designs. And for me, like, I just imagine also being on that set must have been so fun because I imagine it's like... It's just Easter Egg City. It's a, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a collection of like, oh my gosh, let's, let's find all those those unused action figures and let's throw them into this movie and just let's play Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, that's what it, this movie seemed like. And for me, I was along for the ride and it, it... I, I have to, I have to, I loved the Easter eggs. Uh, all the ones that I, I noticed uh, that were, were obvious nods to mostly to a new hope. I loved all that. 
I'm sure I missed some. There were so many. Like, I, I just, there's a lot in there. It's the ones that are just center focus. Those were yeah. the ones that bugged me because I'm will, like, who yeah. is that guy? Like, I will I say at the same time, I, I know exactly what you mean. There's that heartbreaking moment, like, for me as a comic collector where I have to cancel a series because now, the, you know, the publishing house that's putting it out realize like, oh, this is our bread and butter. And so now we have to oversaturate the market. Like, the reason why I yeah. don't, I don't, uh, pull like Deadpool anymore is because if I want to read Deadpool now I have to read Deadpool Core I have to read I have to read, to read every Deadpool, Deadpool Merc with a Mouth yeah. Yeah. I have to read Deadpool uh, you know Black and White I have to read Deadpool Deadpool like, and, and Spidey and Deadpool yeah. and Spidey Deadpool right. and Punisher and right. there's just so many that I, I decided like oh, as much as I love this character it breaks my heart it's to do this much. but I just can't keep up with all this just out of money's sake and also time that's yeah. why that's why we're an indie comics man any yeah, and that, that's exactly. <laughs> Morgan knows that's why. Yeah. Like my poll now is like Saga. Yeah, and a few other things. No, it's like everything is Image Comics or Dark Horse, and like, all right. But, but yeah, on that, on that same note, there were things that were cool with the Easter eggs that I did like. No, like, absolutely. there's a ton of callbacks to game, like the old games, like X-wing, Tie Fighter, like all those experimental Tie Fighter designs right. were all there. That was crazy, like to see on screen. So this is the other thing that it was kind of like when I went into Man of Steel the only thing I really wanted from this Superman was for him to punch something I went into this movie <laughs> with the only expectation of I want dog fights I want cool spaceship battles and seeing I only saw the first trailer before I went in so the only thing I really had knowledge of was it's gonna be ground warfare that's probably what we're gonna get it looks like a lot of beach fighting and then I got into the movie and those last 45 minutes are so explosive literally figuratively and there's so much going on and emotionally and you know doing the throwbacks to a no a new hope with all your x-wing squadrons and i think it's it's one of the few times i felt that guys you've tapped into something here you've you found the even plateau where this fits it's not jarring it feels like it belongs here it's paying fanfare in a correct way that's not overbilling it you know, it's something that would be neat, especially because they're all about tying it into all these other pre-canonized things now, that if they're going to do that, then utilize what you got. And what you got is, I'm I'm almost frankly surprised we didn't get recut or dropped whatever Peter Cushing takes from New Hope thrown into here and re-manipulated, to be completely honest, well, as they, compared they, they, to they, uh, CG. Well, compared to the guys that they had, because, you know, they did the... the the audio grabs from A New Hope for some of our X-Wing pilots, obviously. Oh, yeah. But, you know, for Peter Cushing, they actually had a guy there, you know, doing the voice and everything. So right. I, I suppose they didn't feel like they needed to. They just gave him all new new material. Sure. But I think at the same time, it's it's one of those things where there's... there's Beta, a, there's release a, him. There's a time and a place, and we saw both the wrong way and the right way to do that in this movie. Yeah. For how many years now have we seen trailers for Star Wars video games and we thought to ourselves like that is so much more cinematic oh, yeah. than what we're getting and then for the first time i thought like i'm watching this tr like the the same quality of of a battle that i've seen in the video game trailers yeah and like that i see it like best buy yeah. <laughs> on their screens and on a big screen and i loved it mm -hmm. i feel like this movie was all of the cinematics cutscenes from a video game like yeah. the like, best video yeah, star wars the video best game star wars game you could get out there like some bioware meets like battlefront and then this is all the stuff that happens during the loading screens right. and the, like <laughs> and cinematic breaks they didn't pull any punches too like everything was so satisfying i i was worried because this was the director that did godzilla yes gareth, gareth, edwards. Edwards. gareth edwards and one uh, complaint that i had with that movie and i know it fit into the lore of 
the Godzilla horror movie where you have to like not show the monster even though we're in the you know the age where technology can make these things look amazing right like, and, the, and the title of the film implies that it's about him right and yeah. so like in his movie in his movie version of Godzilla he would pull away like from the fight scene you'd see it on this tiny TV screen mm-hmm. you're like oh and you felt like not you did not feel satisfaction right. see I like that about Godzilla man because it, I know. it made it like the human experience of what happens while Godzilla's destroying I, your city. I think this was More this was so my than... fault in that I went in wanting something different. Which I wanted is, a specific I, rim. Yeah. I wanted I wanted fight scenes and I wanted just to like if I see a punch being thrown, I want it to connect immediately. But instead, like it cuts like a TV screen uh, and the kid watching it and eating cereal. They, they <laughs> and, gave and this, you the blue balls, the movie equivalent right. of blue balls. And, right. and in Rogue One, like you see, like you know, like. Pull up! The, the shields are, are coming, and then and then you're like, oh my god, it's gonna crash! It's gonna crash! And then it crashes, and you're like, oh. Well, and see, unlike unlike a so new brutal. hope, it's not just a a, a a you know a cotton ball explosion where there's a few sparks and then it's gone. It's vaporized. It's nothing. It breaks this, in pieces. Yeah, it was brutal. I was surprised we didn't see the pilot just fly out into vacuum space. Visually, well, that, that brought up a moment that I felt was really really satisfying. At one point, you know, we got to jump to light speed to get out of here. Reinforcements for the Empire coming. Jump to light speed. Most of them get away at light speed, and oh, then yeah. somebody slams. Then you know, bam! <laughs> right it turns into somebody the slams fl- into it. I'm right like, into the f- oh, yeah. Right every, into the front of a star destroyer. Just every explosion, oof. like every explosion where you see like stormtroopers flying around like dolls, yeah. like everything. Right. Just visually was that, was... was that foreshadowing at the very beginning of the flashback with the stormtrooper doll that they were going to get thrown around <laughs> like rag dolls? <laughs> Guys, I think we're onto something. A- but uh, Morgan, I actually want to go back to something you said earlier, mm-hmm. uh, which is where you're talking about how they showed us, you know, oh, yeah, they know the right way to do something. And also sure. they showed us the wrong way to do something. Uh, maybe this had something to do with the, the reshoots that we heard had to, had to be done. But I feel like the first third of this movie and the last third of this movie are almost like done by different uh, filmmakers. Well, the Disney execs put more money into the reshoots for the final battle scene of the movie. They, I imagine they went back and got all the explosions and all of like, they blew up the movie. It didn't have that big of a finale, I imagine. And whoever at Disney was like, well, you know, this is not the Star Wars vein. It needs a finale. Can we you know? Michael Bay it up a little bit? Yeah. For the end? Can we need an explosion? We need some big robot. You know, can, can we do that? Whenever I hear these stories now, I realize how clickbaity they are like when articles say like oh the new star wars looks like it's in it's in trouble cuz they d- they ordered reshoots right. and there's no such thing as a movie that doesn't have pickup shots sure cuz yeah. no matter what you're going to well, give a rough cut to your execs and then they're going to say like we need something to connect that. these two yeah. scenes or- yeah see i'd say yes normally but they issued a 45 day reshoot schedule which is an insane amount of reshoots even for a movie that size is still that's like almost 2 thirds of their regular production but it also kind of makes sense knowing a little more of the behind the scenes where if they did in fact shoot it like a documentary kind of and yeah. they didn't really know what story path they were going to go on maybe oh, when they got all their footage and yeah it's a nightmare right. that they like right. if they had like like 15 hours of footage let's say that okay now we have 45 days cuz we you know what out of the 15 hours <laughs> we've got this great element here let's let's but we're go with this. this but we're missing all these scenes right and you know it makes sense and right. how much of that is to drive buzz about the title too like that too people are talking about it oh like star wars is gonna, oh it's gonna right. be bad oh it's gonna but be they're good. still like, gonna go see it 
Yeah. We're still going to go see it. The money, as we did. The money printing Ooh. machine that is Star Wars and Disney. And, well, and, uh, and everything that's being said at this table. I, I don't want anyone to be in under any doubt. I loved this movie. Yeah, no, I yeah. had a really great time. Okay. I think uh, very much like our day five, uh, The Fifth Element, this is a great, fun popcorn movie. And then once you get into the thick of it, you're in it and you want to see genuinely uh, how the movie ends, which is funny because you go in knowing how the movie ends. And yeah. Yeah, not to say that it's not... <clears throat> Uh, slowly paced because yeah. it, it's slower than most right. popcorn movies. I know that's one complaint that I heard is like, oh, it's such a slow film, and I'm like, yeah, I guess co- in comparison to. That, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really, feel, I didn't feel like it was slow. It's that, I it's, felt like it it's out there though, but I, the first, and I disagree. It's but, that yeah. first third. It's Jin as the child leading up to getting back to Saul. For me, that was the slowest part. People of the don't film. like exposition anymore. No, <laughs> yeah, they just, they just want, want. They want, They've all got the Michael Bay. Well, mentality. I'm, I'm saying like, you know, what would have been cool to see is like a D-Day style battle sequence. I, see, I agree with that. Of the rebels landing something like that. Yeah. I'd watch a two hour movie of like just saving private Ryan, our band of brothers, but yeah. In the star Wars. Universe, yeah. Hell yeah. Right? They couldn't go that dark with it. They can't though. No, yeah. They, and they, they probably couldn't. never, this will. was probably as close as, as they could get to the dark. This level. is the darkest star Wars yeah. movie. Hands down. Yeah. 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 Because every, still... everything is for stakes. We see we see characters die. We see characters from uh, the original movies that will definitely survive. Like you know everybody's fate going into this movie. I feel like. Yep. Yeah. If you don't, then you're you're a bad you're, you're a bad detective. You're a yeah. Bad yeah. Detective. <laughs> I like, mean the 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 first trailer pretty much like gives away who's not gonna be around. Right. Yeah. Right. And not only that, like in general, because it's a prequel. You already you know already that know how none it... of these characters exist well, in, in the later that, movies. Well, so <laughs> That's right. The thing is, though, if you think about A New Hope and like moving forward, you don't really get to see the inner workings of the Alliance at all. You yeah, get no. to see Mon Mothma. You get to see the Beardo guy in A New Hope. Right. And you get to see Akbar. And you see Akbar and you see the people on Hoth. But you never like meet them. You right. never see them. You're never so a part in of theory, them, no. these people could have survived. That's true. Exactly. But right? there are some that you know uh, they're afraid specifically because we get the return of Jimmy Smith as Bail Organa. Uh, and for for those who don't remember, Jimmy Smith's played Bail Organa, the senator from Alderaan, in the prequel trilogy, and they they aged him up a bit, and they put him uh, in this movie, and they show him you know deeply involved in the running of uh, the Rebel Alliance, and then also his last thing is I'm gonna go back to Alderaan. I wonder mm-hmm. what will happen to Bail Organa. Yeah. All right, so you guys are hearing it here first. Theory, Bail Organa, Snoke. <laughs> Rogue One, Rogue One crew, Knights of Ren. Knights of Ren. Oh, man. Going back to detectiving the their fates, I think if you really think about it too, though, like if they had survived, these people would have been heroes, and yeah. they would have been, and they would have been Mon Mothma. They would have been a bigger part of yeah the the later movies. But they're not Skywalker, which is why I was like, I can see why they're not gonna make it. <laughs> the second, the second one of them, like like. You know, eats it. Eats it. I was like, oh no, they're it's all happening. gonna die. <laughs> and I felt I, like crap, I, I kind of but... thought at one point that maybe one of them was would survive, and like that's the guy. Cause like there's no universe evidence that this event happened. Like it's a black yeah. ops, right? Right. Sure. So I thought maybe at least one of them might make it out. Right. But it was it was high expectations. Yeah. Uh, needless to say. I think uh, we all know that the Empire is stronger than ever by this point. The Senate is still around. We get to hear the uh, that the uh, Senate's still pulling 
whatever political pull jerk off motion. Yeah, they're, 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 and they're <laughs> dealing only with Palpatine. That's what's interesting. Well, yeah, like, the rest of the military is like, you know, oh, Palpatine will deal with this shit. Remember, uh, Jeddah was destroyed by a mining accident. Yeah, right. So they're still they're still having to bullshit yeah, the Senate. Yeah, wait a minute. Can we talk about the Death Star real quick? No, there's a couple things that I never realized about the Death Star, well, that, and it makes sense that you can put it on on low power. <laughs> okay, number that one. Yeah, yeah, you can dial into like I just want that city gone. I don't want to destroy the planet though. And number two, who the fuck knew it could do hyperspace? I mean, it makes sense, but it like has how would to, it, it would have to? And then uh, and then it rotates upside down. <laughs> but then you think about it, like it has to be able to orbit things, right? right? Well, no, right. It's, it didn't rotate upside down. That's yeah. the thing. That's just your perception of it. Space is three hundred and sixty degrees. So what is upside down? So you're saying we could have been looking at it upside down the whole time. First met it in New Hope. Yeah. The little circle shouldn't have never been at the top. It should have been at the bottom. Well, in theory. It should have never it, been it at the top because up. it needs to be lower they, on the planet. They oh. the way they have it is like it's aimed at the, at planet. the planet, and yeah. every time we see it, it's kind it's of doesn't, it doesn't really air. make sense in in the original maybe, trilogy. Maybe it just tilts down. It gets parallel with it, and then it just, that's whoop. what that noise is when it goes. It's actually it's just shifting down, yeah. the whole because well, and that's the other thing too. They showed us that that little circular piece at the top is actually just a satellite plate. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a disc that they like, that they put in. That's super sick. Oh, and the best thing about this movie that tied up a big. Oh, yes. plot hole yeah. for years was the exhaust port right and why how was easy this... it is to blow this thing up right why was there a three meter exhaust port left exposed that would blow up the whole fucking innards of because the they had a rebel spy on the inside saying hey i'm gonna make this this easy spot loved it yeah Ugh. it was so good Galen because it was always so... like God, why is that there it's like because it was put there on purpose mads mickelson this guy's getting work. I'm surprised uh, stuff wasn't coming out of his eyes, though, yeah. I gotta say. Or ears. <laughs> or or ears. some orifice. <laughs> or that he didn't eat one one of those guys. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, what a way to like pull the heartstrings, too, with his character. Right. Like, heartstrings, totally pulled and broken. Just the moment where he's just like, I have so much to tell you. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, you don't. Don't. go. Oh. Come on, man. <laughs> and this was actually, you got to see some of the darker sides of the rebellion. Right. Because, you know, uh, uh, one of our main characters, Cassian, mm-hmm. is essentially, you know, like a rebellion bagman. He's not there, you know, pushing, you know, rebel political ideas of, you know, freedom for everyone. He's out there. He's one of those nitty gritty guys. He's, he's a I'm black shooting, ops. Yeah. I'm, 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 mm-hmm. what, you're not sending me to find this guy. You're sending me to eliminate him. And oh, here I am in the in my character's intro, talking to this guy, getting some information I need. Oh, you're not going to make it. Well, I can't let you tell these stormtroopers. I'm just going to shoot you in the back because I can't leave you alive. And what you can't an introduction! Escape. It's like damn. Like that set the tone for the whole movie. It was like this dude's going to do whatever it takes to complete his mission and escape, and he did. And then you get to see that character development where it's like now suddenly he's conflicted with. Right. Well, like, that's what's so great about about the Rogue One group is that when they you know, finally get together. It's like these are all these guys have done this, these terrible things in the name of the rebellion. And we need to go on this mission as a way to say that if we don't get this done, that every every horrible thing that we've ever done for the rebellion means nothing. Let's talk about Donnie Yen. Oh (gasps) yeah. The, the the semi, semi jetty Ip Ip man. (laughs) Semi, semi. Did you call him a jetty? I keep. keep, I keep. keep, You jetty it. (laughs) You're such a jetty. Stupid jetty it. Hey, you're throwing a pretty hard J over there. (laughs) But yeah, like Donnie Yen's character, like that's such an intriguing character that gets really no development, and he's just there, and you. You have to assume things about him. Well, he plays a. He's He's such a a trope. trope. Yeah. He's the the wise blind monk, 
And he's that's all he is. He's yeah, Zautaiji. Yeah. The blind I always got. Yeah. I always got the idea that, like you know, he had been at the temple to train to be a Jedi, but then the Jedi's were destroyed before and he, he could somehow finish. escaped. So exactly. So, but you know, he's he, blind and he's he's had some Jedi training, but he can't. You know. He can't use the force offensively and he doesn't have a lightsaber, but you definitely tell that he is one with the force and the force is with him. Right. Oh man. And his line reading, because if you, if you look at the behind the scenes stuff with Donnie Yen, uh, his sense of humor does not match with the rest of the crew. Like Mm -hmm. he is a very stoic man in real life. And so I was shocked at his hilarious line deliveries in some of the moments of the film. I'm blind. Are you kidding me? Like I'm blind. And just things like that, I was, you know, one of my favorite characters by hands down, for sure. Like, it's like, so him and what was the other guy? His like bodyguard guy. So they're, they're the two characters in this that have no vested interest in anything and somehow get thrown on this journey because this blind monk is like, we need to stay with her. Yeah. I feel something. I feel, I feel the force. Yeah. Right. But those characters got no development, but those were the two characters I felt the strongest about mm-hmm. in this entire movie. They were almost the this show's uh, R2 and 3PO in a way. They were just there. They were kind of like a duo on their own, talking to each other, getting some info from them, and doing sort of their own thing. Uh, there, There's a lot of that also, though, if you look at K2SO and Cassian. That's also kind of an R2. I like, yeah, but they were more no, like, I, like I guess they're yeah. a little... Oh, yeah. That's true. Like, all the way down to the vest sure. and being, like, a big hulking thing that can rip your arms yeah, off. Yeah, right. I know that in but general... <laughs> but you know, uh, let's let's take a moment to talk, because Alan Tudyk did such oh, a sure. good job. Like, in general, there are so many characters where, like you said, like, you want to know more. Uh, yeah. Like, definitely with uh, with uh, Baze and, uh, and Chariot, like, you want to know more. And K2SO. Spin-off comic, please. <laughs> <laughs> now, at any one point, I know for for those of you that don't know who Alan Tudyk is, uh, he's Wash from Firefly and Serenity. And I kept thinking, anytime, and the pirate from Dodgeball. Anytime he was uh, behind the wheel when it came to him flying, I kept telling myself, "Oh my God, he's gonna go! I am a leaf on the wind." <laughs> <laughs> ah, no. <laughs> Joss Whedon would have lost his mind to be directly quoted in a Star Wars movie. He Just like Kevin Smith. Right. But here's here's one aspect of Rogue One that I really appreciated, especially since this was uh, a female-led uh, Star Wars movie, is that there was no love story. Oh, she sure. Was, if they, not in here if they kissed, I would have been angry. Huge. I would have been furious. It's alluded to, though, at that very end. No, they no, they don't. You you can interpret whatever you want. They just sit there. Yeah, that's why I said it's alluded to. It's not it's, alluded. You're making end, that de- determination it was on your the, own. It was the same feeling I got at the end of Pacific Rim where I thought, if they kiss, I am yeah. going to walk out of here and not be happy. And instead, they hug. I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> they friend-zoned it. Yeah, and I'm good. That's the thing I didn't like about something like Thor, where, like... I don't know. The kisses in Thor would were kind of forced almost, where oh. it's an executive going like they should kiss. You know I'm that like, conversation happened though. Possibly, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I'm, no, I'm glad that, that for Star Wars, yeah, yeah. that yeah. conversation totally happened. I had I'm glad that that you know, cooler heads prevail. I guess because <laughs> I, I was really really pleased that 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 would have meant this whole movie was about their romance getting together, and now she has a man. Nope, it was no, more about the ideas. That. It was about a character who, for the most part, was a very passive character, had no motivations. Yeah. You know, meeting up with somebody who's had motivations since he was six mm-hmm. and has done something about it. And then she adapts 
you know, a meaning for her life. And then it's also about for, redemption. Like yeah, every redemption. character had their like arc like that where with uh what the what's his name? A Bodhi. Bodhi? Or no, Bodhi. the other guy. Oh, Bodhi. Oh. The other guy. The other guy. Which other guy? The 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 rebel, the captain Cassian. Cassian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh his he has a he has a redemption arc as well. Like oh, sure. it's a morality thing. Yes, like he's still willing true. to do whatever it takes, but now it's like for the right reason. Right. Yeah, and as it, opposed and to just doing it because he even has the line told, where yeah. he's like, "I got orders to do it." That's something you're never gonna understand. She's like, "How's that any different than a stormtrooper?" Right. Yeah, and then his character kind of transforms in that moment. Yeah, where he was well, about think, to snipe her dad. Right. And then at the end too, like that redemption art comes full circle right. where he... well i think they both rub off on each other i think yeah. they yeah. both make compromises to each other's character that uh drives them forward right reinvigorates yeah. their their will to go on and what the rebellion means and we're just glad that they didn't rub off on each other literally <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> um, oh jokes one thing i definitely want to talk about is while we had that weird and somewhat awkward Darth Vader conversation in his lava castle on uh, I don't know, lava planet number five. Uh, in his goo? And it was, when he got out of his goo. We do get one more scene with Vader. Yeah. It, and it is it might be one of the best Darth Vader scenes ever. Top five Vader scenes of all time. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, it, this is yeah. at a certain point at the end of Rogue One. They, they take the last you know, 10 minutes of film to say, okay, we need to set up a new hope. Here's everything that's going to set it up. Okay, they've got the Death Star plans. Where do those plans need to go? Well, they need to go to Princess Leia so she can put him in a droid so he can drop the droid on a planet. So, bam, Vader turns up. Oh, my God. They need to get away. And then he just starts hugging everybody, <laughs> shake hands, and then roll nice credits. Nice to meet you. Hello. We get to see, we get to see some very familiar costumes with those... You know, sort of, you know, back pointy rebel trooper, rebel, rebel trooper helmets. And the, like, they're oh, called high-speed bicycle helmets, okay? <laughs> so here's the one thing about that scene. It was amazing, but it does something that kind of diminishes Vader's presence in the, the original trilogy yeah. is that he never exerts that kind of power. Even in the opening scene of A New Hope, he's very casual and walks in after everyone's done the work. He never uses the Force that way ever again. Except in Empire, when he hurls every piece of trash in the world I see, at Luke. I see no, what you but... mean, but I actually thought that they it could have been. It was it was very much a compromise between like the extremes of episodes one, two, and three. Exactly, it's and bridging that gap. It was it was bridging that gap because it wasn't like crazy, but he's like he you know one guy he just throws up onto the ceiling with the force, and others they you know he essentially it, just walks in and just. Yeah uses the force and to he wreck everyone. And for the most part, he deflects a lot of things with his lightsaber, but that's about fighting. it. They didn't change his fighting style, though. No, they didn't. It was still the same, like, you like know, very big, mechanical, awkward slashes. Yeah. Yeah. Very power, powerful which is, which is good. I'm glad he wasn't doing fucking kung fu and shit. Yeah. yeah. He could have been jumping around and then oh, he just he... got up and walked out. Force oh. fly! And here's right the after thing. they made out and then the he only reason backflips right. and he just walked out. The only reason you're saying that about Vader's fighting style in the original trilogy is that he doesn't really fight a lot of people. He's mostly in a in a ship the whole time through the original trilogy. The only time he's actually on the ground fighting someone is when it's another Jedi. Mm-hmm. We haven't. Well, he so, never I really mean, got like, the see, opportunity that's... in the original trilogy to, to he fight chokes out a lot of his own people. He, he chokes out his own people. He fights on Hoth. Not on a not on the yeah. You know, he's just walking around the base. There's nobody really left. I guess yeah. Like he's he, just chasing oh, yeah, Han Solo. I guess in this, he was 
the Vanguard, he's the first like, guy through the door. Yeah, he mm. was the first one in. Whereas in a New Hope, he's the last he one. Is. Well, but right. you also got to remember that uh, like they've already secured the land. Yeah, so. not only that, but uh, this is the first time we heard that he had executive orders to take that ship himself. Tarkin delivers that line. Yeah. Vader will handle the fleet. You handle, you know, like he made it specifically known that Vader was going to be the one that took that ship. Right. And, um, you know, and that's something that expands way before this movie. A lot of the old EU before they discontinued it and then started cherry picking, um, that was a big trope for Vader. It was always, I want to train to be the strongest. These droids that I'm having custom built to fight me aren't strong enough. That, like, you know, that was the his natural progression of the way he handles business. I got to say, that was the one thing. Great, great universe builder. That's what this was. A great, it's definitely not fun... a starting point for anyone no. that's never. Yeah. No, do far. not watch this one first. Watch this one, you know, after you've seen the original trilogy at the bare minimum. Right. Yeah. The prequels, what prequels? But anyways, Rogue One, and and on that note, uh, it is Christmas uh, for all the Jews out there. Rogue One is in theaters right <laughs> now. You guys can go see it. Um, thank you guys for tuning into our Twelve Days of Christmas. We'll be coming back after the New Year's, and on that note, Happy New Year's, everybody. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone at the table. Dave Brown. Hey, hey, hey. Producer Steve. Hey. Robot on. Hello. And I've been Morgan Rodner. Make sure to tune in to Graham He's McGuffin. No longer Morgan Rodner. I'm, I was Morgan Rodner. <laughs> it's a new year, so it's a new identity. Uh, but make sure you catch all the latest Graham McGuffin episodes on thegrahammcguffin.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next year. You guys remember that It's Always Sunny episode? Yes. With uh, Danny DeVito, uh, like covering himself in like Purell, yeah. goo, oh, yeah, sure. and he's like he has a shaved head. Internet request, like somebody should make a cut of Darth Vader in the goo, <laughs> <laughs> cutting to Danny DeVito on the on the floor on the floor of Patty's pub. I'm clean. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's totally gonna happen. <laughs>